Good evening. I have to apologize for the last two showrooms that I'm afraid I haven't been here. One lease was for a simple, the other was unfortunately for the opposite. So I do apologize. I don't like taking off showroom when I don't have to. So at least we're here tonight to continue the series. We are in the middle, just in case you've forgotten, we are in the middle of learning Hilkas Yichud. I didn't dream it would take us a whole winter to get through Hilkas Yichud, so I suppose I didn't dream I was going to miss so many showrooms. We are in the middle of learning Hilkas Yichud, and we want to discuss tonight the probably one of the most relevant parts of Hilkas Yichud, and that's the halachas of what we call Pesach Kosuach. Pesach Kosuach is an open door. The Gemara tells us Pesach Kosuach, if somebody has an open door, the Rishus Rabbim, to the public domain, Ein Choshish in the Yichud, we have no worries about Yichud. So if you're in a home, isolated together, a male and a female, isolated together in a home, and the door is wide open, there's no problem of Yichud. Now, we have to picture a little bit, a house in the olden times. They didn't have a driveway which was a mile long, and there wasn't a, a, a house in the front door which was detached completely from the Shusarabim. You had a door which was, if anybody ever been to Gateshead, and you walk down the, the little side roads in Gateshead, that's more or less what we're talking about. So you're talking about a house which is literally on the front, on the street, and you're isolated inside that house, but your door's wide open. So anybody who walks past your door can see straight into your front room, because that's what it is in, the, in these little gates of houses. You open the front door and you walk straight into the front room, and up the front room is a little kitchen, and that's about the whole basic downstairs of the house. So anybody walking past the front door can more or less see the whole house. So Pesach Pesach is just in its simplest terms means you have your front door open, so anybody walking past your front door can see what's going on in your house. There is no situation of Yechud. It's not Yechud. You're more or less in a public domain. And you walk past those houses, you see what I mean. You're literally in a public domain. Your house is on the street. You walk past them, you can see everything that's going on inside the house if the door's open, and therefore there's no situation of Yechud. That's the simplest understanding of Pesach Pesuah. There is, however, a second understanding of the Gemara. When the Gemara tells us that as, as long as you have your door open to Rosh Hashanah, that's good enough. It's not because by having your door open, it's as if you are in the public domain. No. We're talking about a, a door which is detached from the Rosh Hashanah. A normal front door, it's got a front garden, but the front door is unlocked. And therefore, anybody who comes to knock on your door, or anybody who wants to come and visit you, sees the front door unlocked, might just walk in. And therefore, when you're isolated inside your house, with your front door unlocked, there's a worry. Somebody might just walk in. Therefore, the fact that there's people who might just walk in to your home at any given time without your prior knowledge is enough to consider it a protection. So, Pesach Basur has two ways to understand it. Either that it's not considered a situation of isolation. You're not isolated. You can't be isolated in the middle of Oxford Street. There's no such thing. There's millions of people roaming around. You're not in isolation. You might pretend you are. You might be in oblivion, but you're not in isolation. If you have your front door open, open to Rosh Hashanah, wide open. Anybody who walks by can see what's going on. You are not in isolation. That's not called Yichud. That's called being in, in the situation where the public are there with you. There is another understanding of Pesach Basurah, and it makes a huge difference to Halakha. Where you are isolated, you are actually isolated. You are in a home on your own, together with another man. However, you have a protection. And Hilchus Yichud allows us these both, both of these get-out clauses. Either you, you can define it as a non-Yichud, if you can be in a situation where it's not actually called isolation, that's permitted. Or even if you're in a, a situation of isolation, but you have a protection, that's also permitted. Now we've been through all the different halachas of a shoma, all the different situations where a shoma can protect you, different family members, how many men, how many ladies, etc. are considered shoma. Those are situations of Yichud with a protection. Pesach Basuach has two different understandings to it. What would be the difference? 
according to the first understanding, you have to have a front door which is open wide, open to the public domain. Anybody walking back can see straight into every aspect of your home. And otherwise, you are considered in a situation of yichud and it's forbidden. If you close your front door, but you leave it unlocked, you're isolated. You're isolated. The public can't see what's going on, and therefore you will be considered transgressing the halakhas of yichud. If, however, you, 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 we take on the second understanding of Pesach Boswat, meaning that you are isolated, but you have a protection, the protection is that somebody might walk in and just barge in on you, and if they see you getting up to something you don't want to be getting up to, you, you, you don't want that, right? So therefore you are protected, then that's also called a situation of Yechud with a protection that's also permitted. In that case, I can leave my front door closed, as long as it's unlocked, and anybody who comes can just push the door open and walk in, that will be sufficient to override the transgression of Yechud in this situation. Okay? Those are the two options how to understand it. If you would walk in, and the amount of people that would walk in are considered protectors. So, as we're going to go through that a bit later, we'll come, we'll come back to your question a bit later when we, we talk about it in a, bit, in a bit more detail. Where would there be a difference here? The Paskim say that if you take the second understanding of the Heta of Pesach Pesuach, meaning because you are protected, so somebody might walk in, then the fact that he might actually ring on the bell before he walks in is not sufficient. Or when he opens the door, he, it'll make a noise and you'll hear. That's not considered a non-protection. You don't want somebody walking in on you when you're doing something wrong, even if he's going to ring the bell and then walk in. You don't want, if he's going to ring the bell and wait outside, that's no good. But if he's going to walk in, even if he's going to ring the bell first and then open the door and walk in, that's already too, too short a time frame for a person to say, oh, I'm not worried about somebody walking in. If you have my front door open, you're totally worried about people walking in, you're going to get nervous, you're not going to get up to anything you shouldn't get up to. Where there may be a difference here is if you have a video camera on the front of your door, which can picture your whole drive and a little bit of the street up and down and you have access to a camera inside your home to which it's a, it's a security camera we all need security cameras right you've got to have about 50 of them in every shul <coughs> so y- you can see on your little telephone screen you can see everything that's going on up your driveway up and down the street we had a Geneva a few, a few months ago a little more a few months ago so over a year ago and when we came back so the police went around all the neighbours you're amazed how many people have video cameras Everyone has video cameras. The only area that didn't video was the punk area that they got off and got into. But every aspect of my back garden, it's frightening. You can't go into your back garden without being videoed. You know, there's a video camera in all your back garden. I have no idea. There's video cameras everywhere. So if you're one of these people who, who, who are cameraman, and, and, you know, a camera person, you like having cameras all over your house, and you can now picture the, the street and your path and your driveway, etc., then you're not protected anymore because you have knowledge prior to him walking through your door so this gentleman you see your brother walking up the street and you know the only reason why he's walking up the street is to come into your house and he wants to say hello to you your brother will go to make sure that you're not doing anything wrong before he gets anywhere near you so then you're not protected if the doors open and anybody can see and anybody walking by then that's not called yichud that's not a problem you can have cameras as many cameras as you like you are in a public domain that's not yichud if you have just the door shut and you're relying on the fear factor then there's going to be a fear factor there and if the cameras or something like that will give you some level of knowledge up front of what's happening, then that's not called the protection. That's, there's no case factor there anymore. And then you have a situation of you. Now, Lahalochu, we are Mekum. Though we like to be strict when it comes to Yechud, in this area, it seems to be common, commonly accepted that we are Mekum. If you have a front door which is unlocked, 
and anybody who's visiting you can walk in, that's considered a protection. You'll be worried about somebody walking in, so that's considered a protection. So of course, if you have, if you have your front door unlocked, the inside door is locked, it won't be at all. If you are completely certain that no one's ever going to walk in, even with your front door unlocked, it won't help you at all. So if you know that my front door is unlocked, then nobody's ever going to walk in, yeah. they wonder why it's unlocked, but they're never going to walk in, then you're, again, you're not protected. So it only helps in a situation where you know that if somebody would knock on the door, they would barge in, and there are many people out there who would knock on your door and barge in. So you have to accept that some people will, but there will be some people who will be mentally looking to stay outside. Some people will think, well, if the door's unlocked, then it's an open invitation, and they will barge in. Uh, some people will barge in when they're not wanted. And if you have any telephones lying around, they'll be disappear very quickly. So open front doors do invite people inside. If that, that is the situation in your circumstances, then you are in a, a situation of yichud with a shmira, yichud with a protection, and that's permitted. So let's talk about now, we'll go through all the different scenarios of Pesach Vesuach. They're very interesting because some of them are very practical and, and extremely interesting. So somebody's in a situation of Yechud, somebody lives alone at home, or somebody whose husband or spouse has gone away, and they are alone, and in the situation of Yechud, there's a visitor, there's somebody who sleeps upstairs, etc., etc. You're in a situation of Yechud, if you give a key to a child, you give a key to someone else who has access to your house and can walk in and out, whenever they like, they don't have to ring on the bell, they have the key, they can come in whenever they like, go out whenever they like, and they do come in and go out whenever they like, then again you have now a situation of a Pesach Pesuach. The fact that the door's locked doesn't make it a non-Pesach Pesuach, because we have the key, the key's been given to external people. Those external people can walk in whenever they like, any time of the day, any time of the night, they now are protected. You are not going to do anything that you don't want to get up to, you don't want to be caught doing, because you're worried that these people with the key might come in. So, if you give a key to a child, or you give a key to some other person who would normally be considered a shaman. So, for instance, we've discussed the different types of people who are shaman. We know that a son is a shaman, or a daughter is a shaman. Um, we know that the chamesh noshim are shaman, the five women who hate each other, we discussed at length. Um, I shouldn't use those words, but, but I think you understand what I mean. We've discussed the, 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 how many men and how many women are considered a shamer. If you are on your own in a home, a woman, you're a woman and you're on your own in a home. And as you know there's going to be a man who's going to come to visit you and he's going to be staying for a while. So you give a key to your next door neighbor. And your next door neighbor is only one woman. She might walk in and out 50 times and she's not going to protect you. Because two women and one man is still considered different. So you'd have to give the key to two women and tell them to come in regularly and then you're worried. Maybe they'll come in at the same time. And therefore, you're not going to go out and get up to anything that you shouldn't be getting up to. And then you're not in a situation of Yechud, you're protected. If you're going to give it to one man, then you'll be okay. Because two men and one woman is fine. If you give it to one of the people who are considered a shamer or shamer, then one is sufficient. So you have to be able to give a key to somebody who is considered a protector. And when they come in and out without advance warning, and that's the instruction, they must come in without advance warning, and they have to do it regularly, then you are in a situation of a Pesach Pesuach. At all, uh, at all times. This will help you only in the time frame of the day or night where they will actually come in. But if they never walk in between 11 o'clock at night and 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, because they're jolly well fast asleep, and they're not going to get out of bed just to prevent this situation of Yichud, then giving the key to your next neighbor doesn't help them either. It'll help only in the situations, only in the times when they would actually walk in. If they don't actually walk in, if it's a time where they will never walk in, it doesn't help you. How can it help? 
there's no fear. You know from 11 o'clock at night till 7 o'clock in the morning, your next door neighbor doesn't stop sleeping. She goes to bed, she's out for the night, and she doesn't wake up till 7 o'clock in the morning. The house could burn down, she's sleeping in bed. What does it help you? You have no shame anymore, you have no shamers, you have no protection, then you are in a situation of your If you give the key to a next door neighbor, you can be isolated in any part of the house. It doesn't make a particular difference. You can be in your front room, your back room, your kitchen, upstairs, in your attic. It doesn't make a difference because once the neighbor has access to your house and will walk in, she'll go will chase you and see where you are. Or at least in your mind, you'll be worried. You'll want to know. And if she's a really good neighbor, then she'll really want to know where you are. And she will definitely walk around the house upstairs to try and find you. So in the back of your mind, there's a worry there. My neighbor's going to walk in. I've got to behave myself. You're not going to do anything you shouldn't be doing. If that's the case, it makes a difference where you are. You are protected. If you're relying on the fact that the front door's wide open and people can see in, then that will only help up until the area of the, of the home where you are visible. The moment you move into an area you're not visible, it's not going to help you. So in our homes where we have doors and doors and different rooms, and we're not, we're not isolated anywhere in the direct line of the front door, all we are relying on is the fact that somebody might walk in, and wherever you are, you're okay. We're relying on the more lenient view of Chesach Pesach. So whichever part of the house you're in, you're okay, as long as the door is either unmatched, or somebody who is considered a shamer, or people who are considered shamer, are able and will and do walk into the home whenever they want. There's another area of Pesach Vosuch which I'd like to discuss, and this is very relevant. It's more relevant for people who give private lessons at home in situations of Yichud. And it's a very, very uh, clever way to get around it. We've used this in the past, and it's very clever. Again, we said there's two aspects to Pesach Vosuch. One is that somebody might walk in. Somebody might walk in, so they'll walk in and you're protected. The other is that somebody can see through your front door, and the public can see through your front door, and therefore you're not in a situation of Yichud. This situation will help you. What would happen if you have a front door, and you're at home on, together with, with another man, or man and woman at home, in, in a home on their own, but you're in the front, in your front room, and your curtains are open, and anybody walking by can see you through the window. Right? So, that's exactly the same situation as in the time of Chazal, when you had your front door on the street, and anybody walking by can see through the front door into your house and knows exactly what's going on. So as long as you are in your front room, and people walking by can see through the window, and I can tell you, Rabbi, that people walk by and your curtains are open, they will look in. So, people walking by will look in and see what's going on in your house. You are now in a situation of Pesach Vosuach. You are, you're open to the public. You're not isolated. No one in the right mind is going to call you isolated if you're standing in front of an open window where everybody walking by can see it. Of course, if you have a bush in front of your home, or if you have a, a mile-long driveway, then that's what's called open to the public. It's got to be a window which is accessible and easily accessible to the public. If I need to climb up some ladders to be able to look into the window, that's not called accessible to the public, right? Or if only part of the window is visible, I can't actually see everything that's going on in the room, that doesn't help me. I've got to be, it's got to be a window which is easily viewed through by somebody who's walking past on the street. If you can see through the net curtain, then the net curtain doesn't have to be pulled aside. Now, that will depend on the, the ratio of light between the inside and the outside. So if you're at night, and your light's on, and your net curtain's on there, everybody will see what's going on. Everybody will see. If it's during the day, if it's lighter outside than it is inside, 
then they won't be able to see it. So you've got to make sure that they can see. We're talking about a situation where they can actually see through. If the curtain, that curtain in the way, then moving that curtain that way. Whatever it takes to enable somebody to see through, then you are not in a situation of Yechud. As long as you are in the area of the room that's visible. If you have a very wide room, and you have areas beyond the side of the window, where you can't see in, and if you're standing in that, in that corner, to get that gentleman, you are in a situation of Yechud. The fact that there's a window over there that people can see in, is not going to help us because you are not open to the public. You've got to be in a position where the public can actually see you. So as long as you're in a in direct view of the public, you are fine. The Paschal will even make it a little bit more. If you live on a, a block of flats, and you're in your front room, well, there's another block of flats straight opposite. Or you're in a house upstairs, and there's another house straight opposite. And there's somebody in the other house looks out of his front window, front upstairs window, you can see straight into your front window upstairs. And if the curtains are open and it's visible, and there's enough people in the house opposite to be considered shomer, so we might need a little bit more than just a shomer. We need like three men or three ladies, you know, more of something we can consider public. That would also be sufficient. If you again, you're in view of the public. That's not called yichud. You're not called isolated when you're in full view of a public, whoever that public is. It can be a small public, small amount of people, or it can be the whole street. But if you're in public view, if you're in direct view, direct vision of people, either in the flat opposite or in the street, that's not called you. That's not called you. So we have a scenario, we have, we have a scenario which comes up quite often, so you want to give a private lesson. Let's talk about private lessons, we can be anything. You want to give a private lesson, and you're a, a, a woman, or a man, to a girl, or a woman, to a boy, and you have a situation in Yechud, your husband's not here, your husband's out of town, or he's at work, whatever the situation may be, you're in a situation of Yechud, and you want to give a private lesson. Now, there's a problem. If this boy comes into your home, or this girl comes into the teacher's, this tutor's home, there's going to be a situation of yichud. But he has a nice big front, front room with a big window, and he can keep the curtains open, and the lights on, so anybody walking by can see. So that's fine. As long as they're sitting in front of the window, there's no problem of yichud, because anybody walking by can see. But you have a problem, how do you get from the front door to your front room? Because the moment that the child comes in, or the person, whoever it may be, the student comes into your front door and you shut the door, at that moment there's yichud, because nobody can see you. So you run quickly into your front room and there's not yichud. But for those few seconds, you've been in a situation of yichud. And we don't know, we've discussed this, how long this situation of yichud has to be. Is there a problem of yichud only up to a minute? Or is there a problem of yichud even shorter than that, which we discussed that. So if you want to get around all problems, the way you do it in the college, open the front door, you say, come in please, and you say, please go into the front room. So off she goes into the front room, and you're still standing by the front door with the door open. When he's in the front room, you then shut the door, and you walk into the front, into the front room. And now, you're never together unless you're in front of a open window. Now, in my time doing the crisp, it's a very simple, very simple thing to do, and it works. Now, not, most people don't give private lessons, but this is really relevant for people in offices. You're in an office block. You can be in an office block, and there can be serious situations with people. Because in today's modern office blocks, we, we don't have all open like it was. Every office is locked and sealed, and you have to have a, a fob to get into your office, and a fob to get into the front door, and a fob to get into your office, etc. Everything's nice and... There are many office blocks which are sealed. Many. You might have inside your own, might be, might be open, but it might not. You could be one man inside an office with ten lady secretaries, and the front door is locked, and you're in a situation of difference. So office blocks are, are, can be really complicated, and I get calls regularly by people about to get new jobs, 
and can I take the job? I have a problem with you, what should I do? I'm taking a new job in a new firm. There's only two men and one woman, and, and uh, the two men are never there from nine to four. They only come in at uh, four to six. Uh, it's complicated. So I'm on my own with this secretary all day long, sitting in an office. If you have a problem with Yichud, I don't have a problem with Yichud. Of course you have a problem with Yichud. We need to find a way around it. But you definitely have a problem with Yichud. Who has keys? Are there anybody who has keys? Are they all Jews or non-Jews? Makes a big difference. So if the people who have keys are non-Jews, they'll help us. Uh, some Jews are non-Jews, not considered a protector. So we're really in a little situation of a bit of a pickle here. We need to find some way around this. Now, one of the beauties of modern buildings is that they build everything with glass. So you can be in an office box. This is one of the ways that helps us get around Yichud. You can be in a nice office box and you're owned with a key and you, nobody can walk in and out of your office. It's unbelievable. They do not walk in and out of other people's offices. You have to ring the bell and you have to get, uh, you know, you have to be allowed in. They don't have offices to just open in and out. But they often have big glass windows. So anybody walking by the corridor can look in the glass window and see what's going on in that office. In those situations, you are protected again because all the personnel in the office, which is more than just one person, two people, it's a public because there's more than, than, than two or three people there. There's a, a, a large number of people who will be walking past your office and they can see through your glass and they can see what's going on. So you now have a case of Pesach Basuach and you are protected. If you're in a, a, a vault with no windows whatsoever, you have a problem with Yichud. You're going to have to find another way around. You're going to have to ask for there to be other Jews with access to your office so they can come in and out whenever they like. They have a problem. They can come in and out whenever they like. And that way you may be protected. But you're going to have to find a way around the problem with Yichud. Big offices are not always a, a simple answer to Yichud. You need to understand the dynamics of every single office and the way it's, it's the, the office space is divided out. And the access points, etc., etc., to make sure that there's no problem with Yichud. This is relevant to men or relevant to women. It makes a slightly different. Uh, a, you have to have at least public visibility or access by people who are considered shame. Understandably, if you have tinted windows where the, the, the visibility through is limited, that doesn't help you. It's got to be clear, unobstructed visibility from the people outside to see what's going on inside. The, the problem of traveling on public transport can be a little bit of a problem. If you can go in, okay, if you go rush hour, then the carriages are pretty full. Cool. If you go during the day and you take a carriage on the northern line, going to wherever you're going, and you could very easily end up in a carriage with one man. You, you could easily end up in a carriage with one man and you have a problem. You're in a situation of Yechud. And the outside, nobody can see from the outside, because we're in a tunnel. It's all dark, nobody can see. So you really honestly could be a, a problematic situation of Yechud. The advantage here is that at the end of the carriage there's a door. I don't know if you can open the door or not anymore, but at least that door has a window. And through that window, anybody in the second carriage can actually see what's going on in your carriage. Now, you don't know how many people are on the second carriage. If you went and saw there's no one in the second carriage, and you were the only one with a man in, in that carriage, if the door can be opened and walked through in the middle, then you may be safe as well, because you don't know how many people are coming through the rest of the train. But if you, you know that there's no one in the other carriage, and you're there, you, have, you have to get off that, that carriage as soon as you can. You have to get out of that next station, off you go, and make sure they're not in a situation of vehicle. You can really be in a bit of a pickle on, on the tube. It's, um, it's not usual, it's quite rare, because there's usually more than one person in the carriage, but it can happen. Uh, it doesn't matter if they can see. That's enough. 
when people walk past your front, your, your house and they can see through your window, they can't do anything about it, but they can see. When people can see, you're considered in a public position. You're not considered in a private domain. You're not considered isolated. So if they can see through that window in between the carriages, you're fine, because you're not isolated anymore. If, however, you know there's nobody in the next carriage, and nobody can walk through from the, from the other carriage, you have a situation of Yichud. You jolly well have to try and find a way out of it. You have to jump off at the next, at the next station. And there can be quite a few minutes, particularly from Golden Green to Hansard, for instance, there's a good couple of minutes there uh, on the tube. It's, it's, I've never found it, but it must be a good couple of minutes. It feels like, a, like forever, but... Uh, it's a while. You can really be in a situation of Yichud. You've got to make sure. You know, you have to have your wits about you when you get on the train. One second, there's a, who's here? The stations are empty. There's, there's, there's one person in the train. You have to think, should I get on, should I not get on? You do need to have your wits about you. When you're traveling on public transport, like train or aeroplane, it's much, much less of a problem because nearly always you will have enough passengers there to be considered a public domain. There'll be many men and many women. Many men and many women, and we will come discuss that a bit more at length, are considered, it's not considered a situation of Yehud, it's considered a situation of a public, a public, a public situation, it's not a situation where you're isolated, it's, called, it's not called an isolated situation of you and the gentleman, you're there with, with 20 other people, and therefore that's okay. So if you're in a very large office block, in a big office with lots of people, you're also okay, because where there's lots of people around, even though they're non-Jews, you haven't, it's not called isolated, you're in a public position, you're in a public place, that's fine. On an airplane, but there's time, you're okay, uh, on a train, normally you're okay, it can happen on a tube, um, it can happen on a small plane. I mentioned to you right at the beginning of the show that there was, we once, I didn't get a call, but Diane Andrew once had a call from a girl who got on a propeller plane flying from uh, one town to another town, and she was the only person on the plane besides the pilot. There was no one else there. Um, I'm not sure if she called as they were taking off, or she called before they took off, but she had a real problem. A real problem. She took a private set. And if you go on, on a joyride, with, with uh, you know, you hire one of these planes and you have a pilot taking you on one of these rides, that you can be on your own in a, in a plane with a pilot. Sorry? It could be you may not allow to go. The question is, do we say that since he's a man who's employed and could lose his job if he's caught doing something he shouldn't be doing, even though he could put it on, on autopilot, uh, does that, is that called a protection? Is that called a shmir? Is it not called a shmir? Do we call that a protection? And therefore, he's now not going to do anything he shouldn't be doing because he's protected? Or do we say no? That's not called protection. Um, I wouldn't advise you in, in the first instance to go out on an airplane uh, isolated with a, just a pilot. Though, I'm not sure on these joyride trains you can actually put it on autopilot. If you can't put it on autopilot, then there's no worry. You, you can't leave the pilot. It's okay you want anyway. But, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, yes, one should be careful. It's very rare, though, that you should go on a propeller plane and be the only person there with a pilot. It's very rare. It's quite rare. What about video cameras? We've spoken about video cameras on the outside of the house. Why did you have a video camera inside of the house? With a screen outside. So, for instance, we have video cameras all over here. You're all being videoed now. Every, every single one of you are on, you're on tape. And we can switch on the computer and go back to from 25 to 9 to whenever the shit finishes, and we can video exactly what's going on in this room. Is that considered a shamir is an offer to this Are you called protected? You're not called protected. So now if you have a video camera which is live, with a live screen, which where there's access to shamrim, at least the amount of people who would be considered a shamer, or the type of people who would be considered a shamer, then clearly 
Why is that different to somebody looking through your, 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 your window? Why is it different to a shaman walking into your home whenever, whenever he wants with a key? You are now in a situation where people can actually see what you're doing, so you're protected. That would be a situation where there's no use. Where it's not live, for instance here in the shul, it's not live. The screen's not up and running, but it's recording. And we can go back and record what's going on, but why on earth should somebody actually record what's going on in, in a shul? Unless some, some unusual activity took place, we never ever go back. If somebody takes the table from the, from the hall, then they're going to go back and look on the... Uh, they haven't lost sukkah. Somebody ran off with a table. I don't know why. He ran off with a table. And the video camera, they looked on the camera, they found who it was, and they caught him and he brought it back the next day. And I don't know why. But unless somebody's running off with a table, there's no reason why anybody should actually look at the recording of the video. Would that be considered a shamer? Would you be considered protected? Would you not be considered protected? It's questionable. It could be that's not considered protected, and I wouldn't advise you to rely on that purely for Shmir. But if it's live, that's different. Live, there's people watching you. There's people watching you. You're just not going to behave yourself. You don't want to be seen doing something wrong, even if they're not in the room with you. They're live. There is a school of thought that says that since there's no human being around, or you're not worried about human being actually walking in, you don't worry about cameras. But I think today we, we, we're, quite, we're quite used to cameras, and we know that cameras are real, and therefore if there's a camera there, you are probably well protected. We are about to talk about Vakasajus now. We are about to talk about Vakasajus now. And that's really a, 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 a very, very big problem. You have doctor surgeries, you have therapists, dentist, dentist surgeries, you can even be in the hospital, you can be, uh, you know, having consultation in the hospital. These are real, real, real serious issues. Now, a doctor surgery is the least of our problems, because a doctor surgery has secretaries, and uh, by going by the secretaries of the doctor of the doctor surgery that I go to, these these secretaries have no qualms of walking into the into the surgery when when I'm with my doctor, and it makes a difference what state of dress you're in. I don't think they particularly care, uh, and therefore you are protected because there are people who will walk in and out of the surgery, and who can walk in and out of the surgery. Neither don't walk in every time, but they will walk in, etc. So therefore, that will be, you will be protected. If you get a dentist, again, a dentist has a hygienist. It has a, a, a system, it has a secretary, and they again walk in and say you're okay. The bigger problem is when you go to therapy. You go to therapy, there's no such thing as walking into a room in the middle of therapy, because that just completely it defeats the whole purpose. A therapist is just you and the therapist, and you are talking to the therapist, and you're having a heart-to-heart in inverted commas with the therapist. It, it's quite an intimate sometimes situation, and that can really be complicated when it comes to, when it comes to you. So if it's a man going to visit a woman therapist, and the woman therapist has a husband living in the area, then you're okay, because you've got bile of the ear. <laughs> Otherwise, if it's in a surgery, in her own practice, where there's no one walking in, you do, you can't really be in a situation of this. You really have to think carefully about who you're going to go to before you, you, you start a, a course of therapy. And the same could be in a hospital. If you're going to visit a, 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 a consultant regarding a, a health matter, I don't know. I, I don't know what goes on in hospitals, but I, the few times I've been, I've never seen anybody walk into a consultation room when I'm in the middle of a consultation with a, with, a, with, with a doctor. Could be they do. So if they do, then you're fine. If they don't, they do. The nurse comes. If the nurse walks in, you're fine. Then there's any number of nurses can walk in, so then you're protected. Because it could be more than Well, who would the chaperone be? So that doesn't help you. Because there's only two ladies and one man. So it's got to be that, that nurses will walk in as well. 
So that way you get more than two, etc., etc. And you get the public can walk in, there's a number of people can walk in, and then you're protected. So it is complicated, but the most complicated area of yichud is therapist. And this is something that I do get called regularly. Uh, men go to women therapists, and vice versa, women go to men therapists. It really, it really can complicate matters and has to be thought about before you decide who your therapist is. If you're going to a therapist, you have to really think about it. Is this somebody I should be going to, or should I be looking for a same gender therapist so that I avoid the problem of you? Just to finish off, the, the halach of the Pesach Pesuach are, are much broader than most of the other situations which get us out of Yichud. The Pesach Pesuach helps us, we'll go to the, the different levels, severities of Yichud. Uh, one of them, the first one was Libay Gaspo, which we discussed means that if you are very, um, very close, or you have a very formal, very informal relationship with a person, then the levels of Yichud move up a notch. And the severity of Yichud moves up a notch, and you have to have a greater level of protection. However, Pesach Pesach is considered a protection, even if Libra Gospel. Even if it's a, a person that you were brought up with, so we spoke about a, a step um, brother, sister, or close cousin, or, or, or very close friend, people who you are very familiar with, they're called Libra Gospel. Pesach Pesach gets around that problem too. Pesach Pesach gets around the problem of a man and a woman who we consider porous and a prusa. And we discussed again, is the man and the woman are considered porous and prusa. They are people who don't understand the value of, the value of <coughs> immoral behavior, behaving morally. They don't, they don't realize what it means, either by allowing themselves to see things, watch things that are immoral, or behaving in an immoral manner, which is quite obvious. Then they're considered the porous and prusa. And again, the level of Yechud Mizapanos and the set the protection that they need goes up. You need a greater level of protection. However, Pesach Pesach gets around the problem of a part of Ritzah too. And so too, we discussed the, one of the other areas which needs a greater level of protection is somebody who is Misha Iskarim Hanoshim. Somebody who is regularly doing business with women. We spoke about doctors, uh, children's doctors. We spoke about peddlers. People who, uh, people who sell um, women's clothes. People who sell women, women's um, accessories. They are, these are people who are constantly doing business with women. In order to get around the problem of Yichud, you need to move up a, a level of Shmirah. Again, Pesach Pesuach gets around all those problems. Pesach Pesuach is considered one of the highest levels of Shmir when it comes to Yichud. Again, it calls it the, the simple understanding is because it's not called the situation of Yichud because you're open to the public. Otherwise, the fact that the, the fear of people coming in and out is so great. An open door. So many people can come in and out. It's so great. So you are completely protected. If all you rely on, however, is your son or whatever, this person who has the key, then we move back into a normal situation of Yichud. If that person is not considered a shamer in for somebody who's living gospel, or not considered a shamer for somebody who's forest approved, or not considered a shamer for somebody who's Misha Manoshin, somebody who does regular business with women, then it's not going to help you. You can't be in a better situation by giving a key to a shamer than the shamer actually being there. But where the Pesach Basuach is the situation of a, a public, you have many people who can come in, or it's open to the public, you can see through the window, etc., etc., then you're considered in a public domain, you're not considered in a situation of Yichud, or you're in a situation of Yichud with a very, very, very strong level of protection, and that gets around all these problems too. So definitely one of the easiest, one of the easiest get-out clauses when it comes to Yichud, Yichud is the Pesach Because you can be living at home on your own, or you could be at home, or you could be in a situation of Yichud, for many hours, for many days, that you have a get out clause of Pesach Pesach, you've given the key to the neighbor, and your neighbor is one of these people who stays up at night and does walk into your house in the middle of the night sometimes, and you are protected. You don't have a situation of Yehud. It really does help. I know you're laughing, but we do do it. It works. 
We do do it. We often say this to, to children. You know, we have, we have uh, women who, who, who don't have husbands who, who are in a situation, have borders in a situation of yichud, and we'll say, we'll say to the children, come home from a house at 2 o'clock in the morning, pop into the house. You get up early to learn, go next door or around the corner, knock, go in. So the, the parent, the father or the mother doesn't know exactly that they don't know the, the, the timetable of the, the child. So you then have a shamer who's regularly coming in that you can actually even work around the clock and get it to work. It has to be a child who, who, who is able to be a shamer. It can be any level child. Any child who's at the age of being able to be a shamer. But you're not going to ask a six-year-old child to come in in the middle of the night. So it's going to be a person who's, who's an adult. It's going to be somebody who you're relying on. But if it's a night, it's going to be a child or a person who will walk in in the middle of the night. The, 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 the two people who are isolated will be worried that this person might walk in. You don't have to know which given night they're going to walk in, but there's got to be a possibility that they're going to come in. They get up to learn at 3 o'clock in the morning, they might come in. They come home from a from, from out of time, they'll come in. If that is the situation, then you are protected. If that's not, then you're not protected at night. You'll only be protected during the day when there's a possibility of them to come in. But it really is the, the our biggest get-out clause in Hilton's Yechot, because we use it enormously. A person's at home during the day, and the husband or wife is out, and there's no heter of Ishtar, of Ishtar Imai, there's no heter of Bail of air because the parameters don't work, and you've got a plumber coming in, or you've got a window cleaner, or you've got the cleaner there. Pesach Masoch is an enormous... What do you do? The cleaner's there. The wife's gone out, she's gone off to town, and you know when your wife goes to town, she's not going to come back in the next five hours and the cleaner comes to tidy up. What do you do? So the open door is, is, the, is your answer. You keep the door open, you know that your next neighbor, when she comes to borrow a pint of milk, she's jolly well going to walk straight in. So you know you're protected. You have neighbors who are going to come in, you know that you're protected. If you live in a place where neighbors will never walk in, then it's not so, not so possible that you have a case of Pesach Pesua. But primarily, in most cases, an, un- an open door is the greatest, simplest answer to Pesach Pesua. If it's freezing cold, if you're uh, somebody who's nervous, it doesn't help you. Then you have to go to the next stage of giving keys your next neighbor and tell them to come in. But again, you, you can give a key to your next neighbor and make them walk in whenever they like. If they walk in whenever they like, then you know you are protected from the don't. You don't have to allow them to walk in all the time. You find them up and say, right, the cleaner's coming for the next four hours. Please come in sometime in the next four hours. Please make sure you walk in. And when you walk in once, you say to them, you know, you can come back again. Don't, don't, don't come again. And they either do or they don't. It doesn't matter. For those four hours, we now know that the next door neighbor has the key and is going to come in. After that, you don't want them, your next door neighbor walking in whenever, whenever she wants or whenever he wants. You want to make sure that... So you only allow them to come in. You ask them a favor, please come in. And those four hours, you are protected from Yechud. And it really is the simplest way to get around most situations. It doesn't solve everything. But it does solve quite a lot of situations. For sure, for sure. If, if they actually come in. Walk in, and they do walk in. So your kids will walk in because they have a number lock, etc. Outside, you have a key hanging. Oh, fine, that's fine. That's no problem. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's no problem. That's not. That's cool, Petra. You're on. You're on uh, record, by the way. That's. That's no. You have to find a new hiding place for your keys. <laughs> so nobody mind. Fine. At the end of the day, you have a key through your letter box. You have a key under your, your flower pot. If you have anything like that, your pets are for sure. That is absolutely fine. Anyway, if you have an open window and you know you, that your kids are going to climb through an open window, your pets are for sure. Any way that people will access your home without you knowing that they're coming in, it's considered pets are for sure. The fact that they're going to take the key out and you're going to hear them. When they put the key in the lock, we said that's, not, that's still called Pesach Pesach. The time frame is too short for, 
for a person to say, oh, I'm not worried about people coming in, therefore I'm going to, mis- I'm going to misbehave. Because the, tar- the, the, the amount of time it takes to open the door is so small that you're not going to behave yourself from the worry that people are going to come in. So anything like that is absolutely fine. Anything like that is considered so and you're protected. And as I say, it's, it's, it's almost, most of our yichotrides we get around with this halakha festival so. Let's just, just for two minutes, we're really running out of time, just, uh, just something very short. This week is the Shkadish Adah, the month of Adah, which of course comes with the month of Adah, comes with the, the Purim and the build-up to Pesach. But there's something unique, just one thought, I'm going to elaborate, just one thought, and if you get time another time, maybe we'll elaborate on it, but just one thought about the month of Purim. The month of Purim is very, very unusual. So it's, it's unusual that there's nothing unusual about it. It's a perfectly mundane month, and the story of Purim is also very unusual in the fact that it's not unusual. It's a perfectly mundane story. There's a, a very simple story of uh, uh, one wicked man who tried to destroy a nation, etc., etc. There's nothing miraculous about the story of Purim whatsoever. It's not like Hanukkah, where they, the whole thing was miraculous from beginning to end. The fighting was miraculous. The story of the of the nair was of the, the candle. The lighting was miraculous. There's no miracles in, 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 in Purim whatsoever. Very much the story of Purim seems to be Tzadik as a normal group of people interacting with other normal people, and the story unfolds. When you analyze the story of Purim, what's unique about it is that it gives us an understanding that though we look on the surface like any other nation, although the story on the surface seems to be a story like any other story, but when you analyze it and you think it through and you really get to the bottom of what actually happened, you realize, one second, the reason why the story took place and the reason why Khan's soul was saved, and what's unusual about the whole event of Purim is that we are not usual. We are very different to everybody else. The story really is very different to everybody else. The story was unique. His story was unusual because it was a story where Hakadosh Baruch was controlling all the faith quite clearly, and that's what the story shows us. It shows us that we Kalisol are different from the Umus Olam. The way our lives plan out is different from from the the Umus Olam. We are completely different because our lives controlled by Hakadosh Baruch We are connected to Hakadosh Baruch so we're not the same as the other nations. And the way our lives actually, the story of our life unfolds is not the same as the nations out there. That is the essence of what the month of Adar is all about. To show us that though on the surface we go to work and we interact and we run our lives very similar to other nations, very similar to the people on the street, very similar to that, all those non-Jews and others who are outside of the, the world that we live in. But at the end of the day we know and we understand and we realize and Adar teaches us that we are fundamentally different. We are different because we are connected to the Shabbat and our lives are, are, are run by and dictated to and controlled and connected to the Rebani Shlomo. And we are completely and fundamentally different. And everything that takes place in our life is completely and fundamentally different. We have to look at the mundane of the month of Adar and realize that though on the surface things seem to, seem to be the same, it's not, it's not just a story. It's a miracle. It's not just a, a, a plain goings-on of one nation interacting with another nation. There's a miraculous nation here called Kali Shlomo who are connected to the Rebbein Shlomo and controlled by the Rebbein Shlomo and saved by the Rebbein Shlomo and everything is because the Rebbein Shlomo is very much part and parcel of who we are and part and parcel of our lives. And if we can understand the message of our door, we realize that everything in our lives is really happening for and we can begin to move into the month of Nisan. From the end of our door, we move straight into the month of Nisan, which is the month of, as Hashem, the month of Just to run, I don't want to get anybody nervous, but in two weeks' time, there will be one more share on the Hesachichel, we'll finish off the that which we have done, which we haven't done when we start, we won't be able to finish. But two weeks after that, will be the pre-phase of Shirah I don't want to get anybody nervous, but the two weeks after that will be the Monday before Shirah Beach Nissan, and the Monday before Shirah Beach Nissan, we'll do the pre-phase of Shirah Thank you very much, and have a good night.